Herbabble. Herbabble coming at you. What are we talking about tonight? Who knows? Who knows? Does that mean you're not prepared? Uh, I didn't do my homework. No, I did do my homework. Of course you did your homework. Yep. I did half of my homework. That's kind of good. Well, yeah. Okay. That's a start for me. You, you half-assed it. <laughs> I half-assed it. <laughs> what so, true hauntings tonight, huh? For real this time. Not, not Skinwalker Ranch. As fun as that one was. Yeah, that was a pretty interesting episode. Everything in that was true. My, Supposedly. Um, yeah, my favorite thing about that entire episode was the uh, nice little picture that Parababble had on their Facebook page the next day. Yeah. I. Do you know anything about that? You know, I was bored for about 10 minutes, and, you know, Photoshop sitting there on the computer. and. So that whole night, we only all you got out of that was 10 minutes? Yeah. <laughs> no, well, yeah, no, it didn't take me long to make that image, but I made that because I, just out of curiosity, I went on Google, and I, I Googled dogs smoking and I found that image of the dog with the cigar in his mouth so I knew I had to go crazy. It was pretty perfect actually. Yeah. So for those of you who might be tuning in for the first time tonight uh, we are Parababble on Beyond Borders uh, radio network and we are uh, Allison and I'm Jeff. I'm Rob. And we're going to talk tonight about some true haunting stuff. But uh, just so you guys know, we got some interesting shows coming up for the month of October. And I know we've been talking a little bit about this, but figure we'll fill everybody in again. Are you going to let me know because I wasn't here? Oh, you were absent that day? Yeah. Maybe you were in a parallel dimension. I think he I, was. I, I think I was with the dog smoking. Or you were trying to find a Bernstein, Bernstein Bears book? Bernstein Bears. Bernstein Bears. <laughs> the Bears. <laughs> So for the month of October, we are doing a haunted theme. Ooh, cue Spooky. scary music. Yeah. So we're going to be doing uh, shows on true hauntings and EVPs and um, some other really cool ghostly related things. So make sure that you uh, tune into those. And if you want to shoot us a message or get in touch with us, you can reach us on Twitter at Parababble or on Facebook slash Parababble.com. Right? Oh, Facebook.com slash Parababble. Well, there you Close go. Enough. Close enough. If and you put also, it in there, you'll find us, right? Yeah. Yeah. It should. It's and we monitor it. There's nothing weird. 24 hours no a day. weird hyphens or periods or exclamation points that you got to put in. Also, we have an email address that I never told anybody about. Oh. Secrets. Yeah. Was this from, is this part of a conspiracy? I think it is, because I, I've had it the whole time. I just never plugged it. Um, but it's parababblepodcast at gmail.com. Oh, check that out. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Gmail. <laughs> so if you send us an email, we might respond. We probably would respond. Yeah, we yeah. would. Yeah. We're there. We just we sit would. there and wait for emails and wait for a post on social media. Yeah. That's all we do. Yeah, That's we our do. job. We will actually. always respond. Yes. Whether uh, we understand what you're asking us or not, right? Yeah. We'll just babble exactly. something to you. <laughs> yeah. The only reason we wouldn't respond if someone's an a-hole towards us. But... <laughs> No, we'd probably just respond to that, too. Yeah. Because it's fun. Yeah, those might actually be the best ones. They entertain us. I will respond with a picture of Sasquatch. (laughs) Eating a Slim Jim? Yes. (laughs) I'll send a picture of the smoking dog. I like the Casper. He's my favorite. Casper's cool. Yeah, I like how he sneaks into everything. Then you got a, you know, maybe a UFO in there, too. I should have put, did I put Scooby-Doo in there? I think you might have. Okay. I should have if I didn't. You'll have to go back and check it. Yes. All right, so uh, true hauntings, huh? 
Yeah. This was actually a harder topic to research than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. Well, being ghost hunters, it was kind of boring because it was like looking into the history lessons of all these places that we've, well, because of what we do, I've heard about a million times before some of them we've been to, so. Yeah, and uh, there's a lot of conflicting information yeah. about a lot of these true hauntings. You don't know who to trust. Nope. Who's out to make a buck? Yeah. Who's out to make a movie? Who's out to write a book? All of the above. <laughs> Word of mouth travels quickly. So do the stories. Who wants to be able to show up to para conventions and charge money for their photo and their autograph? Again, that's a job I would love to have. Come on, nobody. That's a nobody, job I would do. Nobody really does that stuff, right? I think so. <laughs> so what are we going to talk about? Which ones? Because there's so many to choose from. Yeah. Well, overlooking this, this this bell witch thing looks pretty interesting to me i've heard bits yeah. and pieces of the story that's my homework that's, that's my your homework? homework assignment yeah um yeah so I, I wanted to go out and find something that was like somewhat relatively known but at the same time i didn't know anything about it or not a whole lot about it are they making a movie about this now this is this was what the uh I think they, are, they have made uh, several movies about it and actually the blair witch project was the first really well-known one that was based on it i'm so scared you know, I saw that movie for the first time, like, two or three years ago. What? Really? Yeah, I know. What? I know. I don't know how I missed it, being the crazy horror buff that I am, but I did. So that rock you're yeah. living under. It was horrible. It was, it was, <laughs> you didn't, what? It was, I hated it. It was uh, awful. Well, you know, the whole um, idea behind that when it first came out, and maybe it's because you were probably, like, nine. Um, no, I was 12. There, there you go. I was close. <laughs> I knew, I knew close. there was a reason why he hadn't seen it when it came out. Um, Mom? <laughs> <laughs> nope, you're not old enough. Nobody's buying you a ticket. Um, but, Jeff, you would probably remember the hype around that movie when it first came out and how they basically made it seem like it was a true story. Yes. They I, had, like, wanted posters up in the town. I actually remember the night before the, the movie was opening that, I don't know what channel we were watching up on cable, and uh, they were running a whole, like, they had a whole news team, and they were doing, like, a documentary on... Well, a documentary, sort of. And it was crazy because we all believed it until we got in there. And then once the movie started going and doing a couple of rounds, people started putting it all together. And they finally came out and said, yeah, no. Yes. But that was a great hype machine behind oh, that. Oh, yeah. The PR that work on best. that. Because when you think about it, like movies like Paranormal Activity, how they're, they've got like that true... Mm-hmm. The found footage movies. Yes. Yeah, like Charlie, so Charlie, Charlie, all that other stuff that's happened. Mm-hmm. I mean, Blair Witch was the ultimate... Uh, yeah, the only like, pioneer of that. Know, the only one before that was like Cannibal Holocaust. Ooh. Yeah. Where did you get that from? What? Wow. Yeah. I don't even know what that is. I. Ex- I know what that is. Yeah, I knew you would know what that was. But, That's why I, I pulled but it out. if you're like nine or eight when <laughs> well, Blair of, Witch came out, we're figuring how did you catch that one? Actually, I haven't seen it. Oh, you know of it. Yet. I know of it. Okay. A lot of these movies I've gone back and watched, but that that's one I haven't. But I know that was a big one that they thought was real, and the, the director was brought up on murder charges because they thought yep. he killed a bunch of people. Absolutely. And he had to prove that he didn't kill them. He had to fly in all the actors. They're like, hey, these people aren't dead. And the sticker on the outside of the uh, DVD says, could be true, actual murder footage, stuff like that. What? And that sells that sells the hype. Yeah. That's the hype machine. Oh, yeah, that's a little freaky for me. I don't really want to see anybody getting killed, whether it's real or pretend. 
Oh, so you don't want to see the Green Inferno then? The new Eli Roth film? Bad, no. we'll get on. Get him, get him off top. No. I don't want to see it. I want to see it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> no. It's 2 1. Right. My so question. Back but, to the Blair, the Bell, the Bell Witch haunting. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Bubba? The Blair Witch for now. The witch yeah, thingy. The, the whatever, Witchy poo. The whatever. Um, Easy. <laughs> I like HR puffing stuff. Come on. <laughs> um. But yeah, just going back to like the movies that were made about it, there's been a couple others. Uh, I think there's some on Netflix now, like really crappy looking, just direct-to-video movies. Um, Careful, I might have been in a couple. Maybe. I haven't watched them yet, so <laughs> I'll have to check the IMDb page. Uh, An American Haunting was one that was made that was apparently based heavily on the actual stories behind it because all these other movies like take place in modern times but when you dig into the real story behind it this all took place in the 1800s uh early to mid 1800s so a lot of these movies that are you know in modern times are obviously telling their own version of whatever story actually happened back then but it all started in 1804 in robertson county tennessee a guy by the name of John Bell and his wife and his children uh, settled down there. Uh, John was a deacon in the Baptist church. And then uh, after a few years of living there, they lived there for quite a while without any problems apparently. But in 1817, some members of the family started seeing strange animals in the woods and hearing loud bangs on the outside of the house. Uh, and eventually these loud noises moved inside of the home. And word got out uh, amongst the community and a committee was formed to start an investigation. Could you imagine what that must have been like? Back then? Yeah, so now you're talking Chaos. early 1800s. You're talking... Tennessee. Tennessee. There's probably not a whole lot of people around Backwards. that time. Bible yeah. Belt. Yep. Oh, yeah. Now you got weird, strange animals and things happening, so there's a committee. Do they have pitchforks? Probably. This committee? Mom, Pa. Yeah. But, yeah, it... It gained a lot of traction, and eventually people were coming from miles away to witness this activity. Um, the entity began speaking. And now I put speaking in quotation marks in my notes here because they don't really... I wasn't really able to get a whole lot of information exactly what that meant. In like, tongues? Do they speaking in tongues? Physically or speaking, or were they using like some kind of early version of a Ouija board? Or were they just doing like the knocking system, or like knock once, like that? twice for no or once for yes, whatever. Um, so they asked who this entity was that was haunting them, and it would give them different answers. But uh, at one time, it, it claimed that it was a witch named Kate. 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 So from then on there, it was known as Kate or the Bell's Witch because she said she was a witch, a ghost witch. Apparently. Were there any bells involved? John Bell. The guys, the no guys actual name. bells. Not <laughs> that I was able no? to find. No, okay. Yeah, just checking. Um, they started asking her, you know, why are you haunting this family? And she gave two reasons. This this supposed witch ghost. Uh, her first reason is that she wanted to kill John Bell, the father of the family, father and husband. Could have been an evil guy. Could have been mean. Could okay. have been. That there's really no reason. Uh, and the second reason that she was around was to stop John's daughter, Betsy, from marrying a neighborhood boy who she was apparently engaged to. Apparently she did not approve. I don't know why. She was a very nosy witch. Yeah, I don't know what her connection is to the family. They never really figured that one out. 
Uh, so over the next three years, Kate tormented the Bell family, uh, especially John and Betsy, who she said she was going to uh, focus in on and were the reasons why she was there. Uh, Betsy would have her hair pulled, she'd be beaten, scratched, and stuck with pins. Wow, that's a pretty strong spirit. Yeah, uh, and John, he suffered pretty badly too. He would, uh, he would swell up as if a stick was shoved down his throat. Uh, his throat would swell up as if a stick was stuck down there. Um, he would also suffer from twitching spells and muscle spasms. What did the committee do? Just said they investigated. <laughs> it happened. <laughs> yes, it did. They came out there with their voice recorders, their EMF meters, their... Well, it's just funny to think about, like, a group of townsfolk coming. I know. Being like, John, can you breathe? You got a stick down there? But What's going on? It is interesting, though, that he was a deacon, so obviously he's not the typical wacko that we run into. Maybe. Well... Well, I mean, like, someone... <laughs> he might be a wacko, but not someone who would say, oh, there's a ghost. You know, he might be a wacko for other reasons. Did they try to exercise this demon? No, they didn't. Okay, now let's think about that. So he's a deacon. Mm-hmm. They're in Tennessee, and they're suffering horribly, and no one tries to do an exorcism. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm not that... I mean, it was a Baptist church, so I don't know if that makes any difference uh, as far as They could have sang the spirit away. Maybe we'll find out more about that in our exorcism episode. Um... But yeah, there's, there was no references to any sort of exorcisms that were attempted in the house. Um, so as time went on, Kate seemed to be very knowledgeable about the Bible and the, the Bell's family's past and future. And she could be in two places at the same time. What does that mean? I don't know. It means she'd be in two <laughs> places at the same time. That's what it said. Like people saw her in two places at the same time? Yeah, or maybe she was talking. That's the thing. It's This went on for years and years and years, but it never really was clear. I mean, this was almost 200 years ago now, saying that, like, you know, how did she communicate with them? How did she make her presence known? I mean, I know they torment. she tormented this family, like, physically with scratches and stuff. It almost sounds like more poltergeist than it does anything else. Yeah. Especially yeah. being concentrated around the girl. Yeah, well, because it's interesting then, because in 1820, John died. Well, we all die. Yeah, but it was believed... <laughs> there's a twist? It was, there's a twist. It was believed that she was he was poisoned by Kate, and she even took credit for his death. How did she take she credit? She published a book. I, Did she like come out from behind the door and be like, "I poisoned him"? I don't know. The same way she uh, she told the committee, "It's me, it's yeah, me." Yeah. <laughs> same way she's been communicating with him all this time, anyway. Um, but yeah, this was the big thing on that that American Haunting movie. Like, they claim that you know it was based on a true story, and it's the only time that uh, a ghost is credited it for killing someone. Um, but I don't believe it at all because this is eighteen twenty. I already said how John had like muscle spasms and swelling in his throat and all these sort of medical problems, it seemed like. And he was 70 years old when he died. That's very, very, very old for someone Back in 1820. Then. Yeah. Yeah. So was it the ghost witch or some kind of natural causes? It almost sounds like some kind of hysteria that happened and 
was catching it kind of reminds me of like the Salem Witch Trials you know like one person starts getting like this weird affliction and this thing happening and then before you know it it spreads and now it's got this mass hysteria kind of thing going on uh, yeah but here's another thing I was going to back up a little bit on that if he's 70 years old he's probably seen a lot done a lot right and he's probably been through a ton of like different things and who knows what he could have been hit. He could have hit dementia, Alzheimer's before it was even, you know, you're hallucinating. Nobody back then might have known. Well, supposedly he's not the only one that witnessed this ghost. You know, his whole family did, apparently members of the community, and all, apparently all these supposed people who visited the house from miles away. Hmm. Could they have brought in... Yeah. Elaborate hoax. Yeah, but they were getting nothing out of that. Just some fun. But I don't know how much fun that would be. Yeah. Well, and who knows what kind of notoriety they got. Right. Yeah, at the time. Sympathy from people. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's hard to know. And you, you said, come, we, we were talking about this at the very beginning of the show, you said it's, it was surprisingly hard to find information on true hauntings. Oh, yeah. So <clears throat> if we step back a little bit, I mean, how much is this story translated differently, you know, to what it is now? And how they obviously Hollywood took a version of it and they always change it but my thing would be you know 200 uh, 200 years ago and you know you whisper into one person's ear hey this what just repeat that and it'll change so exactly it might have been something like, less than what it actually was yeah. because the story usually gets bigger and the road gets wider on, on the on the twist or the truth with it, so. especially that long ago, they they don't have the same way of like recording things that we did. Right, uh, and the communications had yeah. to be straight to me telling you yeah. or uh, you know a little bit of uh, penmanship there. Yeah. So even though John died, I and that's what Kate said she was going to do. It was like you know he was seventy years old, eighteen twenty. Yeah, I don't see how they could, I don't see a, a profit turn there for yeah. anything. I don't see there being that, <clears throat> you go into the, you know, you go to the 1920s, 30s, you start getting into a little, little more time here. People were more on an angle when it came to that stuff. You know, there's been well, so many stories. Early 1800s is the birth of spiritualism. Okay. So you've got people manifesting things out in public for the first time, open seance, you know, spirit cabinets, stuff like that. I mean, the Fox sisters, early 1800s. So, okay, so there could have been a little bit of something there, but, uh, I mean, the history of this story, you know, it's it, it's established, but it doesn't go any further than what it really is. The guy was having hallucinations or problems or ghosts. Kate was taking names. And next thing you know, how many years later? He's dead. So he's dead. But Does it say anything about what happened to the daughter? Like yes, she ended up actually, the story, there's still more to it, actually. Uh, three months after John died, the daughter broke off the engagement to this guy. So maybe she never really wanted to marry him, and this was all an elaborate hoax so that she didn't have to. Maybe, who knows. That's but, a long uh, road to travel. After that happened, I mean, these are the two things that the, the ghost witch Kate said she was there for. So she said goodbye. To the family because you know she killed she killed John like she said she was going to <laughs> and you know Betsy wasn't engaged to this a-hole that she was engaged to alleged a-hole 
and she vowed to return in seven years. So in 1828, <laughs> yeah. she returned for a few weeks to visit, to visit John Bell Jr. And she talked with him at length about the past, the present, and the future. Uh, she said there was a reason she killed John, but she never gave it. And she said she, re she would return in 107 years, which would have been 1935. Is there any record that anyone tried to contact her then? No, nothing that I could find. And I'm just, I didn't see any record of the Bell family still being around, at least in that area at that time. But people still believe that she resides in the caves that are near where the Bell family once stood. It's not there anymore. But if you're interested, the caves are now open for tours. You can go there and pay money and go ghost hunting. See? Them. It was. It was mm -hmm. a hoax. Now they make money in 19, what, <laughs> the 2000s? Yeah, 200 <laughs> years later in the caves. They're, they're setting up, they're setting down, they're setting up the family. The caves that are somewhat nearby where the house stood, they think. They so think. Maybe, probably. spirit that might have come there. 200 years ago. That may have caused harm to someone that possibly could have. It's kind of a holy story. Yeah, and the fact that you got Kate... <clears throat> That's the ghost name, right, Kate? Yep. Yeah. Kate's got a name? Okay, good. Um, <laughs> Kate's saying, look, here's the deal, John. I'm going to kick your ass, and I'm going to kill you. You're done. I'm going to go around. And then she's going over here and saying some other shit about other people and just causing a shitstorm. When in our ghost hunting history have we just turned around, named a ghost, and then turned around and had... The ghost communicates straight to us what it wants to do and why, uh, you know, give us straight communication lines like that. If only that happened. Bunch of crap. Mm -hmm. <laughs> How do you really feel about it? That's... <laughs> and if it did. Boo, I'm Kate. <laughs> if it did, and if this ghost did come up to you and say, this is why I'm here, I'm going to kill you. Yeah. Why would you stick around for three years until it killed you? Maybe. Know, that's like a torturous life. Maybe he was calling bullshit. Maybe. Or he was just not in his right mind. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I just think it was, like, really hard to go through and try to research this stuff because there was so many holes in all the stories I was reading about that it made it really difficult to believe any of them. Yeah. And I, I know I've probably said this before, but I don't know if I'm just becoming cynical the longer I do this or if I'm just becoming better educated so I know what to look for. But i, I got to tell you guys the story. So I went and just visited with my parents, and my dad had me watching this show where, I don't know if you guys have heard about this place in Alaska, this harp um, place where they've got, like, basically it's, uh, Air Force has all of these um, little miniature, like, satellite-type things that they're trying to recreate the Aurora Borealis because mm. they think that that causes, like, all these things in the atmosphere and all these things in people. So they're trying to make a man-made version of it, supposedly, so that they can, like, you know, have climate control and do all these other things and mind mm -hmm. control and all this stuff. So I'm watching the show, and there's three paranormal investigators going out that are going to go and investigate this, okay? So they first go to the Aurora Borealis, and they use an EMF detector while the, or, you know, the Borealis is going on above their heads, and they're taking EMF readings, and they're off the chart, right? And already I'm like, okay, this is not working for me. This doesn't make any sense. This is stupid. I can't believe I'm actually watching this. But it gets worse. So as they are doing all this investigating, um, they decide that they're going to try to go to where this area is, and it's called Harp, 
It's H A R P. It stands for you know I don't I don't know what mm-hmm. offhand. Um, but they go there and they sneak over and they're trying to get readings because you know of course they try to do it legit and the U S Air Force wouldn't answer their phone calls. Oh no! Who would have thought, right? Huh. They should so, have called a Marine. As they're trying to use an EMF detector from, you know, I don't know, half a mile away, because that's about <laughs> as close as they can get, one of the investigators gets deathly ill. Of course they do. And he starts to cough, and he can't breathe, and his head's killing him, and he's, like, dry heaving, and it's got to be the EMF, right? So I'm, I'm kind of, like, joking around about this, and I'm talking to my dad, and I'm like, yeah, okay, whatever. You know, this is ridiculous. It's probably the guy's cell phone in his mm-hmm. pocket making the EMF detector go off. Don't you know that two seconds later he's like, well, let's check this other program that he's got. And he pulls out a cell phone, and he starts using it to, like, look up something on an app that's, like, ghost-related. And the K2's going off, and I'm like, this is insane. I can't even believe I'm watching this right now. The point of my story is, there is so much junk out there that people will believe anything. I think the point in that would have been, they have to get better screenwriters. (laughs) I mean, the script absolutely sucks. You shouldn't need a screenwriter or a script. (laughs) Well, obviously, they didn't realize that the phone and the the apps and the phone being on and everything. It's like Paranormal 101. Yeah, right? but that's that's why a paranormal person should write the show. Oh, but these were experienced investigators. I mean, I'm not naming any names because probably if I did, you've probably heard of some of them, but I could not even believe what I was watching. And I was just like, you know, either I'm really cynical or I just know too much now at this point that I can't, like, buy into the hype of everything. So even when I was going through and looking for, like, this true haunting information, every single time I came across something, I was like, mm, nope. That's crap. Nope, doesn't make sense. And it's kind of sad because you you get so jaded by all the junk that's out there. If you if if you take an interest in this field and you do it long enough, you probably will know how to to weed through the crap really fast. You know, crap, 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 crap. Oh, you know what? This story might hold some water here. Let's check a little further and maybe you you might find something wrong in the story or you might not. I mean, but I think as investigators or researchers, you find that, you know, I would hope that you find that as you get older and more wise to this, you know, your judgment becomes a lot better. But in the same right, there's so much crap out there. How do you how do you wean through all of it? And with the Internet, forget it. Yeah. Right. I and mean, I really you really think... have to almost go back and research through books. I really felt bad. Like, I felt like I was ruining the show. For my dad, trying to watch it, you know. And yeah, I'm I like... can't watch those either anymore for that same reason. Because, I mean, they got all these investigators out there, but you have to wonder, like, at this point, how real are these investigators? Or are they just some? Did someone unplug the Borealis? Trying to find a reality really show for themselves. Thinking about this, like, okay, you're seriously filming someone with an EMF detector, taking EMF readings of the Aurora Borealis in the atmosphere. I mean, I don't know offhand what the range of those things are, but right. I'm going to say that it's not going to go into the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. You're not going to feel that much coming down because the the Borealis has to come filtered through the atmosphere too. The only way that an EMF detector would be able to detect something like that is if the EMF was so ridiculously strong. I mean, it would be like frying the, the land beneath it. 
at that point because they well, really people would be sick. The EMF detectors take they have like a real their actual range is like what a couple feet maybe if even that maybe not even right? that it depends on how strong the EMF is. That's what I'm saying. Maybe twenty five feet, maybe fifty feet. No, not even that. Only if it's like ridiculously strong, and even at that, it's but not that much. There are people out there who will watch this. Allison. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> well, I wasn't in charge of the remote that night. Oh, that's the deal. <laughs> but you know how it is. People know you're into yeah. that stuff, so they're like, oh, hey, check, hey, check this it out. out. And sometimes you have to sit there and bite your lip and go, that's garbage. If they're liking it, you know, that's garbage. Yeah, I couldn't bite my lip, though. I had a really hard time with it. Just, it's it's it tough. It's so disturbing on so many levels. It's tough. I mean, that ties right back to your, your true hauntings, too, because, you know, what constitutes a true haunting? Things that have actually been proven and happened well that's the thing like we were talking about this and first of all one of the questions that i had that came up when i was looking at this stuff is if true hauntings you know are really if people are having phenomenon all the time right Mm -hmm. why are true hauntings so rare like if you're really experiencing like this stuff i mean more than half the country believes that ghosts are real 75 percent. i was taking a poll a few years back so you know the people believe it Almost everyone you talk to will tell you they've had some kind of paranormal experience in or their lifetime. Somebody. Or they know someone. Or they lived in a haunted house or something happened. And if that's really the case and it's so prevalent, why is it so hard to find real true evidence of it happening? It's because there is no such thing as true evidence of it happening. Not where I was going to go with that. <laughs> Jeff and I just looked at each other like, <laughs> uh, what? He threw me. Oh, oh. So but anyway. I do, I do think I know where you guys are going with it, but yeah, you cannot prove it either way. But I think a lot of people aren't as crazy as us in depth with all of this. You know, we, they aren't getting involved with it for as long as we have directly. It's easy for them to mistake things for something else. I mean, EMF, for example, it's a huge example of something that could be a cause of alleged paranormal claims, but the average person isn't going to know exactly what mm-hmm. EMF is and how it's being caused. I mean, sure, some of the TV shows will be like, oh, EMF is electromagnetic fields in the environment, blah, 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 blah. But How many ghost hunts have you been on where people are going through basements and walls and stuff, and they're, they're getting this, better yet, just use a basement because there's a lot of old wiring and stuff in there, and they don't even take that into consideration at all. So it's like, oh my God, the EMF's off the charts, yeah. off the charts. Well, well, yeah, but they're not taking into account. So, like you said, I mean, there's going to be levels. There's going to be levels of how serious you can be with this and what people actually mistake it for. You know, we've seen it happen all the time. You walk into like a electrical panel box, and it's like, oh my God, this room's electric. Uh, no shit, yeah. <laughs> you're lit up. But see, but I almost think that if you're gonna do this stuff, like legit do it then you have a responsibility to do it in in the most professional and real way you can i mean like our our motto for our group is that above all we seek the truth and it sounds cliche but it's true you have to do that if you're going to call yourself an investigator or a researcher then you have to do those things you have to question you have to try to figure out what the cause is what the circumstances of something are you can't take things at face value if you're legit going to call yourself that if you're going to call yourself a ghost hunter and that's all you are then fine i have no problem with that but if you're going to say that you're an investigator or that you're a researcher then you actually have to do those things you have to look at it from all angles you have to actually investigate it not just go in right away 
Right. You know, first time you go into the house and be like, where's the spirit in this house? And hold up a voice recorder and expect them to say, hey, it's me. It's uh, it's Kate, the witch. I want to kill you. <laughs> Kate. Yeah, that... But where do you go, out? I mean... Well, this is kind of where I was going, is that, you know, in looking at this stuff, I mean, I did a little in-depth research about the Boiler Rectory. You know, so for those of you that have listened to our past shows, uh, I believe on the history of ghost hunting, we talked a little bit about Boiler Rectory and Henry Price and that whole thing. Um, you know, you can find past episodes. That one in particular is on um, iTunes. You know, if you have any questions about anything you hear past shows you could always hit us up through facebook or through twitter um, again we're on beyond borders paranormal radio um, but I, I think the thing that i was struggling with is that all of the true hauntings that i kept coming across have all these books and movies and interpretations made out of them now so when i was doing the boiler rectory um you know stuff that i did i kind of started to see too many holes in it and i got frustrated because to me that's been like the epitome of like a legitimate investigation so then I just kind of went in and said, okay, fine. What are the true hauntings? What does everyone consider to be? Well, the haunting in Connecticut. <laughs> because it has the word haunting in it. Right? <laughs> I mean, it's based on the story of uh, Carmen. You know, a family was discovered that they were in a formal funeral home. You know, so the basis of that movie is there. Uh, but what actually happens in that movie is obviously dramatized. Oh, yeah. So can you even count that as a true haunting? I don't know. The Entity, which is the story of that Doris Byther, who mm -hmm. they're doing like a whole nother brand new movie on. There's like a guy that's doing some real in-depth research on that whole situation. But when you start to read about her, she had mental illness. She had substance abuse problems, all these things. So how can you even take anything that she says, you know, as truth when she's not sane? <laughs> her circumstances are what they are. And, you know, sure, the argument could be made that maybe the entity did those things to her and she was not as bad off when it whole, when the whole thing first started. But who really knows? Do, do you think people with mental issues uh, work on a different level or a different plane that we don't? I think that, you know, I, from my opinion, that's a possibility, but you can't, there's no, there's no control in that situation. There's no, nothing to compare okay. it to, you know? Right. Like, yeah, they might have abilities they might be more open they might you know see things in different ways but they're already so their brains are functioning so differently that i don't know if you can actually make a comparison from one to the other what about an animal reacting before a human yeah but there's different things yeah, so I was say same, they see differently same thing, but unfortunately you can't right talk to a dog or cat and, and they have heightened them. senses so just yeah. it out there. i mean you know is it the car down the road that they hear the door shut on or is it a ghost i don't know we can't we can't make that discernment because it's too it's there's not a control there there's yeah. no way to compare it one thing to the next yes they can hear better but are they really hearing a spirit or are they hearing the person across the street slam a, a cabinet you know who knows but i'm saying putting yourself in a true a true situation where there might be something happening you know the, yeah. So The Exorcism of Emily Rose, that's another one. That was a creepy movie, by the way. Um, Annalise Mitchell was the real woman behind that. 67 sessions of trying to exercise her um, for one to two times a week for up to four hours. It killed her. So just think about that. So that's like a legit person having some kind of issue. And the course of treatment is to provide these exorcisms, these prayer sessions one to two times a week for up to four hours 
for 67 weeks. That's crazy, because I know, I know we're doing an episode on exorcism eventually, and even... I've read a book about that was written by an actual exorcist, and it's crazy how much blame they put on the people that are supposedly possessed for getting possessed and why the exorcisms don't work like that. For getting possessed? Yes. They put the blame for getting possessed. For, and okay. also... If the exorcism doesn't work, it's all on that person. It's nothing to do with uh, the priest that's performing the exorcism. It's all on that person. Interesting. So after these 67 sessions that she went through, so one to two a week for up to four hours over the course of ten months, she died. She weighed 68 pounds when she died, and her parents were convicted of manslaughter. Yep. Abuse, manslaughter. I mean, crazy to think about. So is that truly a true haunting? Was she really possessed, or was it just that she had some kind of mental illness and was mistreated? Exactly. You know, it's hard to know. The Exorcist, supposedly based on the true story, but in the book it's a little boy, it's not a girl. Um, they, the, I guess they called him Roland Doe, you know, not his real name, obviously. Mm -hmm. But again, you know, real story of possession, or was there something else going on there? So your, your true haunting or hauntings that we know in today's society by looking and referencing, you basically just have to have a story. Well, yeah. Hey, Allison, I've been having a ton of stuff going on at my house. It is off the hook every day. Well, I'm going to tell the world my story. Whether the world takes and bites in on that story or if they throw it to the, the wayside, there's your true haunting. So everyday people who can have true hauntings in essence of what the true hauntings is, not just the popular cases. Right. So who's the most popular, do you think? Who comes up the most when you search true hauntings? Oh, I'm going to have to go to Amityville Horror. Yeah. Ex ex you're exactly right. It's Amityville Horror. And that's... That is the one. And now if you go back and actually delve into that a little bit, there's people coming out now saying that that stuff never happened. Oh, yeah. There's an amazing documentary that follows around... If the name of it was, if I could look it up, but it follows around the sun from the events that actually happened. In I think the I've 70s. seen this. The from the Lutz family. Yeah, he's one of the Lutz kids, one of the Lutz boys, and they follow him around now. He's like in his, I think he's in his forties now, and it's really interesting because I, you can kind of tell like there's definitely something off with him, but. Uh, at least in the documentary, they heavily imply that it was all uh, the father. Was this George? George Lutz? Yeah. It was all his it's fault. Just, is it, it's not the one that airs every Halloween. And no, this is, it's a documentary. I've heard of it, but I haven't seen it. Yeah, I think it's called like Miami. It just came Hill. out like pretty... Yeah, a few years ago. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think it's... Uh, I want to say maybe around like the 20th or 25th anniversary or something like that. My Amityville Horror, I believe it's called. Oh, my. Yeah, yeah, it follows Daniel Lutz, the eldest son of George and Kathleen Lutz. So he's just trying to make a couple dollars? Uh, I don't know, maybe. But, uh, yeah, it def it, he definitely is not a fan of George Lutz. Or well, he could have been an asshole dad. Yeah, you could, you, he you, was could definitely, just... you could definitely get the impression that he was abusive, whether it physically, at least mentally. Uh, he was into the occult long before they even moved into that house, apparently. So. so right there you have a ton of dysfunctionality yeah. going on to set up. And you move into a house that is notorious for one of the worst murders 
on record in that area and you don't know about it, you don't You're, know. You don't talk to your neighbors. Right. Or your neighbors don't go, did you happen to hear what happened? Yeah, you know. Right. They and had to have known it wasn't all that long before they moved. moved and in. nobody that has lived in that house since has had a single paranormal issue. Yep. But a lot of people have moved out of that house too. The same people that have been living in there have been living in there for like years and years. They just remodeled the whole oh, really? thing like okay. 10, 15 right. years ago. The house doesn't even look the same anymore. Right. Uh, which you know, know. They did that because people, people were stopping by. But you know that paranormal activity, you start remodeling, that's going to amp things up. Yeah. You think that if there was something lying in, in sleep there, that ripping the entire house apart and redoing it would have brought something to the forefront if there was actually something there. If there was hanging out, there. if there was something hanging there. Right. So right there is just a very general debunk in itself. I mean, it was really hard to do this. So when I went through and I started to look at, you know, Borley, which supposedly is one of the top cases of paranormal activity, like, ever on record because Mm -hmm. it was so extensively documented on, there are so many things that don't make any sense. Well, again, this is a place over 100 years, maybe not quite 100 years ago, but... 1862. Yeah, 18. Okay. It's originally so it was built. Over 100 years ago. And it was demolished in 1944. So you're talking about a good 70, 75 years of known activity, known things happening, people going, visiting, documenting all these things, right? Yeah. Yep. So the whole story is basically that there was a rectory on the property in 1841. It burnt down. They built the new rectory in 1862. Okay. The original legend was that there was a nun that was in love with a priest. They were discovered. They were both killed. There is no historical evidence that that ever took place. No historical evidence. So no, no like news information about this nun or this priest, no headstones, no nothing. Okay. Nothing that has any historical basis. So supposedly the phenomena begins in 1862 and they start hearing footsteps. They see an apparition of the nun on the grounds. Um, There's a stagecoach that they see with a headless driver. Okay? And this is all from the Bull family, the first family that's documented to live there. Why is there a stagecoach with a headless driver pulling up to a rectory? Yeah, that's where it lost me. I mean, you figured the nun, that could have been, like, just residual stuff. Right, right. Like, really a headless ghost? So, after the Bulls, it's vacant for a couple years. Then these new people move in, Reverend Smith and Mrs. Smith. And Mrs. Smith is the one that finds the skull of the young woman in the cupboard shortly after moving in. So, again, very strange. So, all of a sudden, there's a skull in a cupboard that didn't exist when this whole other family lived there. Or if they did, they never touched it or discovered it. She moves in, and immediately she finds this thing. So, when she finds this thing, all these other things start happening. So, there's servant bells ringing that have been disconnected. Um, lights in the windows, more footsteps. She claims to see the same stagecoach. So in 1929, they contact the Daily Mirror. And SPR, which is the Society for um, Psychological Research in England, that's when Price gets involved. Right. So he arrives, and then more stuff starts to happen when he comes there. So now there's stones that are being thrown. Vases are breaking. Um, You know, there's wrappings that are being heard you know, which haven't been heard before. And the Smiths leave in 1929. What about intent? So, right. So now 1930 rolls around and the Fosters move in. So now you've got the third family that's lived there in all this time. 
And the Fosters report the same kind of phenomenon, bells ringing, windows breaking. Now here's a weird thing, writing is starting to appear on walls all of a sudden. So that's a new thing now with this particular family. Poltergeist activity starts to happen. So things opening, things closing. You know, that's new just particularly for this family. So Foster, who's also a reverend, right, because all these people are religious, living in this rectory, uh, tries two exorcisms. Neither is successful. Now, the only thing that I actually was intrigued by with this whole story about the exorcisms is that the first time that he attempts it, he's hit by a large rock. <laughs> so some large rock comes from somewhere and hits him in the head. That sounds like Bigfoot to me. <laughs> like the Yeti? They throw pebbles <laughs> and rocks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, something, so something crazy is happening it here. it wasn't a ghost. Maybe it was a Bigfoot. It could be. Or maybe a ghost Bigfoot. So after the Fosters are done, Price rents it for a year, gets 48 students to go and observe and record any phenomena they see. Um, in 1938, a student uses a talking board and makes contact with two spirits. So now we have actual hand-to-hand -hand communication happening. So you've had all these other things, all this other phenomenon happening for the last, you know, 30-something years, and now you're starting to have it amp up to this whole thing. So she says that she makes contact with a nun who wanted to leave the convent. Her name was Mary, um, and she was supposedly murdered, and her body's buried on the property. Okay, because you haven't heard that story before, right? Mm -hmm. No. Now... The tie-in is that Mrs. Marianne Foster, who lived there right before um, Price rents it, okay, she gets this writing on the wall. And the writing that she gets, and there's actually pictures of this, says, Marianne, please get me out. Okay, so now I'm, I'm, as I'm going through this, I'm like, yeah, that's junk, that's junk. But now I'm like, okay, so now she sees this writing. It's on the wall. It says, Marianne, get me out. This, this person goes and has this session on a talking board with a nun. The nun says she's buried on the property. Okay, you know, maybe it's, it's believable. I'll give him credit at least for taking a picture of the writing, even though you can't really prove that it was a ghost. Right. Journal, especially back then, you know, I mean. And there was, like, various words written on the walls. Like, you can actually go in and look at the photos. Some of them... Um, are just like squigglies and you can't really make out what they say. Sometimes it's words, sometimes it's names. But this one was very clear, Marianne, please get me out. So the spirit also tells this, this girl while they're doing this session um, that the bones are going to be found and revealed um, on the ground somewhere and that the rectory is going to burn to the ground again. Okay. So in 1938, 39, there's a fire. The place burns to the ground. Price comes back, digs up the cellar, and finds two bones. He gives them a Christian burial, hoping to satisfy the spirits. So, I, I don't know. I don't know what to think about all that. You know, I mean, there was, there was some things that I read that said that he refused to let anyone um, do any research on what types of bones they were. People that saw them said that they could have been animal bones. They didn't necessarily seem human. But one of the other really interesting things that I came across as I was going through all of this information is that there is some confession from Marianne Foster that she was actually having an affair and used a lot of the quote-unquote paranormal activity to cover up her affair. I just washed it now. It's bullshit. Right? Probably. Right? Oh, yeah. I mean, you can but take... Price is a skeptic. 
this is somebody who like doesn't necessarily believe in any of this stuff and tries his hardest to get to the bottom of it to supposedly you know figure out the truth behind these things hey a good case is a good case right but you then take good pr from that <laughs> he's got all of these inconsistencies that he just glossed over yeah and i mean again it's impossible to go back and really figure any of that out because it was so long ago and the place isn't standing anymore it's not around anymore and i really felt like if i was going to get anywhere with believing that, that this stuff was true you know real hauntings mm -hmm. of things that this would be the case because there's so much documentation it's impossible to know all the facts especially on all these older cases that we're looking at but here I mean, what about what about the bigger the haunting the bigger the stories you well, that, yeah, that's the true. bigger the lies because Borley was the most it was considered to be the most haunted house in England and you know there's going to be tons of stuff coming out of there people are going to come out um, okay let's say we go on a ghost hunt and we go in there and all the stories that you hear you go in there you look for those stories you know the walking man this that everything else but then here comes one person maybe another person and they come out with a whole different perspective on them no there was a nun that floated across the hall. Well, there's never been a nun here before. No one's seen a nun here. Well, there goes your word of mouth. Now the nun story is going to start traveling. So these stories will get bigger. And, you know, like you said, you can't, how far can you possibly go back and find, you know, reference to it actually, you know, being legit? We're so far away in the timeline now that to dig through all of this, mm -hmm. it's... Well, that's a great point. And I think it... It says a lot about, you know, when we go and we do investigations and people will say, oh, well, you know, you hear spirits of children. You hear children laughing and giggling here, and this is what happens. And then you actually go back and do the research, and there would be no reason why children would be there. Yeah. Like, what? why would children be there if it's a elderly home, you know? Like, they didn't live there. Right. They didn't die there. Right. Nothing else was on that land at the time. So right. what we got traveling... Traveling children, children, ghosts. Yeah, yeah. they go coming through one famous haunted place to another, like tonight, <laughs> causing mischief. Well, yeah. isn't there? But isn't that some type of documentation too? That you have a lot of uh, spirits that are just you know coming through. They're just passing through. But if if that's the case, then why are they always there? You know, why yeah. do people like always say that that's what happens? Well, it's like a party going on. Hey, come on, X over here. Come on over here. Let's get together, guys. And, you know, you come through, whatever. Rolling Hills had a ton of stories like that, that the ghosts, a lot of them would visit and just pass through. You know, how much can we put into it? I don't know. We don't know the whole story. We don't know all the pieces. We don't know what the other side's looking like. So we, we go with that, and we just take what we hear, the oral stories that either originated from some type of truth or someone's perspective on it you know i always wondered you know if, if borley rectory was still around now would it be like this commercialized place like all these other famous oh, absolutely twelve hundred dollars like, yeah. a night to go ghost hunt yeah. there absolutely hundred dollars for the first ten a hundred dollars each extra head <laughs> can you imagine any one of these well the true haunt in these true hauntings like the rectory and going back to these certain spots if they were still around somehow preserved uh, they tv would have had it their oh, fingers in it ghost hunters ghost adventures they, they would have been yeah the money the money there to profit would be incredible that's you know, why that's like a whole nother topic to think about too you know if you used to watch those shows 10 15 years ago and nine times out of ten nothing was haunted now every everywhere they go is haunted oh, yeah. so either either the activity is getting bigger or right. your connections are getting 
better, or you people, just got a good script writer. Have, <laughs> uh, I got. I was going to say, people have short attention spans, and they wouldn't watch the shows if not everything was haunted. So. I'm not going to sit in front of a TV for an hour and have nothing happen. Go, well, it must be true, nothing happened, because that's normally how it works. No. I think the ghosts got better agents now, too. <laughs> and they're, they're getting in a lot of the cash there, so now they're getting a little prime time See, on is TV. it just me, but I used to like the shows better when it wasn't always haunted, and when they could prove, or, you know, like, what was going on and why but it was But didn't happening. you want to see, didn't you want to see that something was going on? Yeah, you did, but it was like... I don't know, I guess for us, because we're not like the norm, but for me anyway, it was always about finding out what the reason was behind these claims, and that's what I really found myself liking when I actually started doing this on my own, is me finding too. out what is the reason for why these people think paranormal things are happening, and that kind of surprised me when I started doing this, I was like, oh, you know what, this is really fun trying to figure out if these people are just batshit crazy, if they really have a ghost, or yep. whatever the reason. I guess, I'm, uh, I guess I'm speaking for um, the uh, middle America here, because I want to see ghosts. I want to oh, yeah. see shit happen. Well, everybody yeah, wants to see do. that stuff happen. I mean, I never looked at like you guys did, where, well, well what cost it? I mean, well, you want, I think that the main thing is that, it, like I said, it comes down to, are you a ghost hunter, are you an investigator, or are you a researcher? What do you consider yourself to be? And, test? and if you're no it's oh. like i said if you're a ghost hunter and that's what you do that's totally fine but for me myself i i believe in the in the investigation and the research part of it it's not just about the thrills and the chills for me i want to be scared <laughs> if it's on tv i want to be scared definitely give me some give me some ghost work but if i go out in the field and we're doing an investigation you can you know bet your bottom dollar i want to know why it's happening and where the source is coming from. And if you get nothing out of it but one piece of information and you can expand on that piece of information to get an answer, then, you know, that's one more piece to the puzzle that we still don't understand all the way. But don't you think it makes the evidence that you do capture that much better when you know that you've tried everything to disprove it? Oh, absolutely. I agree. That's, that's, that the whole, that's the whole thing about Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Yeah. When you can legitimately say yeah. that you have tried everything to disprove it and you cannot figure it out, that's like the best thing. Yeah. That's what I live for. It's not seeing the ghost. It's exactly Every all the possibility. other possibilities. You got it. And even then some sometimes on certain things that we've yep. gotten before. Well, you'll sit there and we'll have we'll have something happen in the middle of the night that we can't can't explain and then it'll we'll we'll listen to it or we'll we'll all say, Hey, we saw that, right? And then you start going through the list. Well, okay, was it light coming in outside? Was there anybody outside or somewhere in another part of a room or the building? So you start piecing all of it together. It I mean, right on the spot. literally never ends. I mean, there are places that we go to on a somewhat regular basis where we have evidence from there. Every time we go there, even if it was a piece of evidence that we caught three or four or five years ago, I still, to this day, if we were going to go there tomorrow, I would try and debunk. So we're going to ask this question. I'm going to ask this question to you guys, and then we're going to ask it of all um, of the people listening, so then they can get back to us. Out of 100% of paranormal activity that happens, what percentage of it do you think is legitimate? Of actual pieces of... Of true hauntings, like documented things happening, you know, whether it's through books, movies, interviews, all this stuff, how much of it do you think is legit? Half. Rob? 10%. I was going to say 10%. <laughs> I'm high-fiving you on that one. <laughs> Guess I'm the lone man out, but that's okay. I'll cut my own path. Thanks. So if you guys have been listening tonight, let us know what you think. 
how much do you think is really true haunted phenomenon and how much of it is just made up and elaborate stories about things that just keep getting bigger and bigger as time goes on we'd love to hear from you guys uh, again you can always reach us at parababble on twitter facebook slash parababble.com did i get it right that time bro? yes and what's our email address parababblepodcast at gmail.com yeah so shoot us a message we uh, want to say thanks again for listening as always beyond borders paranormal radio We'll be back with you guys next Tuesday at 8 o'clock. Awesome. See you guys then. Thanks.